Hello, it's Bernadette Jansen. And before we get into this episode, I need to remind you that the information in this podcast is general in nature and opinion only. It should not be taken as personal advice. There are significant risks with buying and renovating property and you should maximise your profit potential and minimise your risk by seeking independent advice that relates to your personal circumstances through your own financial planner, accountant and any other professionals that you are working with. The examples in this podcast are for illustrative purposes only. And again, depending on the size of the opening, um, generally a carpenter, a qualified carpenter, can actually design a beam or a a load-bearing member. Again, and this all is about the opening. Obviously, if you're taking out almost like the back wall of a house and putting in a six-metre wide opening, you're going to need an engineer to design that for you. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, it's Bernadette, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about removing an internal wall. Now, this is a very common modification to be made in a renovation. The most common type of renovation we do is called a cosmetic plus. So it's a predominantly cosmetic renovation, but with some edge or improvement in the livability of the home to not only make it look better, but also to push up the profitability. And the most common wall that we would remove is one between the kitchen and the living area to open the kitchen up to the general living area for a more open plan. Now, why is this such a value add? Well, it really, I guess, modernises the layout. So, The eat-in kitchen definitely is a thing of the past and our modern lifestyle calls for there to be an opportunity to, I guess, mingle with your guests when you're preparing a meal. So so rather than being locked away in the kitchen while everyone's out in the living area having a good time without you, the cook can be drawn into that. And, you know, I think the term we use is hangoutability. And it creates a sense of space, so the whole area looks much, much bigger. And so, but of course, there are a few technicalities to removing an internal wall, and they're what we're going to cover today. So the reason I decided to record this episode was because I was recently looking at a property with one of our students. It was a very space-challenged one-bedder. And we were looking at whether we could take the wall out between the kitchen and the living area to open it up. And she had mentioned that someone that she'd brought through had actually tapped on the wall, decided that it was a stud wall, and then from that deduced that it would not be load-bearing. And that's actually not the case. So when I mean not the case, the fact that a stud wall can't be load-bearing. So I decided that there was value in you know, recording an episode that outlined some of the technicalities of removing a wall. And for this episode, I've brought in Stephen. So Stephen is my husband. He's a partner in this business or in our business. And he has been in the construction industry for over 40 years. As you would have gathered, he started as a toddler And he has been the source of my education in terms of construction. 
and I have asked him to come along today to fill in some of the gaps. So what's actually involved in finding out if it is load-bearing or not? When you bring your builder in, what do they actually do? What the builder needs to determine is what, if anything, is bearing on the particular piece of wall that you're looking to remove. And there's really only two ways they can investigate that. If it's um, a single-storey building and it would be in the roof structure, they may be able to gain access into the roof if it's not a flat roof. And they could then you know, take some photographs, inspect what's actually sitting on the portion of wall concerned, and then determine what the next steps are and how they would, um, how they would prop that wall or, or change the bearing or put, install lintels, beams and things like that in order to, to determine it. Um, if it's an area where, where you can't gain access into the ceiling, as I say, maybe with a flat roof, or alternatively, if it is, is an area that there is a structure up above it where you can't get in there, really the only other thing to do is to actually cut a hole in the ceiling and create an area large enough that you can sort of get up you know, and have a look around or take photographs of the space up there and then determine um, uh, what needs to be done from that point of view. And that is the same even with a masonry wall as well. You need to work out, again, what is sitting on it, and if you can't get if you can't get above it or access a roof space up above, then you really have only one option, that's to cut a hole in the ceiling and take it from there. Sometimes where it is in an apartment again and there is actually no ceiling space, and that is quite common, where the feet of the slab has just been rendered or, or sometimes done with a vermiculite spray or something like that, there is actually no opportunity to inspect what's going up above. You would actually need to obtain plans or your engineer would need to obtain plans of the floors up above and then determine structurally what would be required to remove that wall, assuming again that it is still load-bearing, but the only way you can determine that is to work out what what is uh, above it and uh, whether there is similar loads being directly opposed from above. But again, that would require the engineer to do that. Actually, that just reminded me that apartment I was talking about just recently when we were over there, you mentioned taking out the skylight because it was adjacent the wall that you could possibly be able to see what's what was above it. So many ways to achieve the result. Okay. So let's say we've determined that the wall, if the wall is not load-bearing, there is pretty much no issue other than the approvals required to remove it. That's correct. It's a, that's great. But let's say it is. So who actually designs the support structure? Well, generally, if it's in a masonry wall, you would need to have an engineer um, involved in, in that. And it also does depend a lot on the size of the opening. Quite often, small openings, which are, when I say small opening, just a, a traditional door, uh, you know, an eight or a 900 millimetre wide opening. There are lintels which you can get off the shelf, which you can buy, um, you can install. Generally, with minimal problem, again, you would need to get the builder to do that. But if it's a stud wall, and again, depending on the size of the opening, um, generally a carpenter, a qualified carpenter, can actually design a beam or a, a load-bearing uh, member. Again, and this all is about the opening. Obviously, if you're taking out almost like the back wall of a house and putting in a six-metre-wide opening, you're going to need an engineer to design that for you. But if it's, again, putting in a door or even if it's, a, you know, maybe opening something up to a couple of metres wide, the carpenters can often just use what's known as the light timber framing code, which is an Australian standard, and they can work out the, um, uh, the beam sizes and capacity of the loads based on on that information and again whether it's a single story or double story 
Anything which is being done in an apartment, as I said earlier, does require structural engineer mainly because it's uh, around the integrity of the uh, remainder of the building and no one wants their uh, building or their investment to be compromised as a result of um, some work which is being done on a lower floor which impacts their property. Okay, so some other things that we need to think about when we're looking at taking out a wall is whether the ceiling height is the same on both sides. So often that's not the case, or sometimes I should say, not always, that's not the case. And so that will sort of, if you're thinking that you'll pull out the wall, it's going to be a a lovely flat ceiling all the way through, you may find that you end up with a step in it. And so that's one thing that you need to plan for. The other thing is thinking about the cornices. So if you pull the wall out, obviously there'll be gaps in the cornice. Can you match the cornice? How are you going to treat that? Is there anything else that you can think about that we should be talking? Yes. Again, uh, with a load-bearing timber wall, you can't necessarily assume that you would end up with a flush ceiling right the way through without a lot of work. Quite often you do have to install a beam and the beam will sit below the ceiling, which gives you like a bulkhead or you have a boxed-in beam. Um, where the uh, where the support is is sort of hidden in the wall, if you know what I mean. You can't just have that nice, clean, uninterrupted ceiling going right the way through. And again, this depends more on the roof structure or the floor structure up above and how that's being supported, because you need to be able to sort of conceal the beam either in the roof space, and often if it's near the edge of a pitched roof, you don't have the height to be able to do that. The only option you have is to bring the beam down below the ceiling and, uh, again, you would end up with like an exposed or a boxed in uh, beam at that location. I guess some of the other things that you want to think about is if you're in an apartment building, you've got to look at how you'll actually get that beam up. We've had a few situations where the student has actually had to crane the beam in because it was too big to come up the stairs or via the lift. So figuring that out ahead of time is extremely important. There's really a lot of value in having a really good builder when you're doing this because they can just add a lot of value. And an example I can give you is recently we took out a wall in our current project, which is in Queensland, and I had had an engineer design the structure and it was quite interesting. It's a long time since I've seen a hand-drawn design, but it came in hand-drawn. And when the builder actually got into it, he said, I think there's a much easier way of doing this. And because it had really ornate um, cornices, we had chosen to leave a bulkhead above the opening, but he found a much easier and more cost-effective way to do it, to do the structure. And so mid-project, he actually redesigned it and then got in touch with the engineer, you know, via photos and videos and actually redesigned it. So it reduced the cost and it meant that we had much less wall. In actual fact, we just had the cornice running through, which turned out to look quite good. And I'll put some images of that in the show notes. And another thing is how it's going to be finished off. So if you've got a masonry wall, by the way, for those who don't know, a masonry wall is a brick wall. The finish is probably going to be render. And so if you've got a builder on site who can, who is able to render that up to finish it, it will, it saves you a whole lot of hassle and headache. Is there anything else you can think about as far as that's concerned? 
No, I mean, obviously with uh, with any large opening in brickwork, you'll need a large beam of some description, whether that's a like an I-beam, a channel beam, or even a very large angle. And so that also needs to be concealed with the render in order to give you the finish. Or if it's a larger beam, you may need to look at how it's going to be boxed in to uh, conceal the beam. The one thing I would say with removing masonry walls, which are load-bearing, the propping and the detail around those is is actually quite complex. Uh, they need to do a process which is known as needling, where they actually need to support the wall up above prior to knocking out any of the wall underneath and have a member in place and sort of grouted up and carrying the load before the wall is even removed. So it's quite a complex detail, unfortunately also expensive. But uh, just bear in mind that uh, you definitely need an engineer involved in that and the spacing of the supports, the load that it's carrying, how the load is transferred down to the ground and all of those things need to be fully considered. They are not straightforward when you're talking about removing uh, large load-bearing masonry walls. So, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so just to wrap up, I just want to, I guess, give you some idea of costs and to do that I'll probably use our last couple of projects. So... The Bondi apartment, we took the wall out between the kitchen and the living area. It was only about two and a half metres. That did require engineering. It was load-bearing and it was on the fifth of eight floors. So there were three floors above. So, of course, as Stephen mentioned earlier, in a strata-titled building, you do require strata approval. For that, you will need an engineer's report and, yes, several other documents to support that. But that excluding the cost of the certifier, which was for the approval to do it, and the engineer, the actual removal of the wall was around about $6,000. I also mentioned we've recently done one in Queensland. The removal of the wall was initially quoted as 5000 but actually came in a bit less because of the change in design midway. But that's excluding engineer's fees and the like. Interestingly, the Project 3 back, it was an old terrace house over 100 years old. There was one particular area in between the kitchen and living room. It wasn't actually a wall, but it was a column and sort of a bulkhead, which we would have liked to have removed to really open it up. But the cost, it's not so much the cost, just it was a bit of a Pandora's box. The concern about opening up a 100-year-old or over a 100-year-old wall and either side the adjoining walls between the neighbours and our property was single skin it was just a little bit too high risk and we decided not to do it because we felt that the negatives outweighed the positives so you really do in old properties you really do need to expect the worst when you're opening up and removing walls. But if you can do it, and I'll certainly put some photos up of the last couple of projects where we've done that, it's been a huge value add and really enabled us to create the wow. Okay, so thanks for listening today. If you've got value from this episode, we would be so grateful if you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. And you can get more detail about this topic by downloading the show notes. I've got some case studies there just to help you to gain an understanding of the concepts we've talked about. And bye for now. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.